Welcome to the JUCO Coaching Podcast. My name is Nate Tuft. I am the head men's basketball coach at Ridgewater College in Wilmer, Minnesota. My co-host is Tyler Hebrink, head baseball coach at Ridgewater College. Our goal with this podcast is to walk through the challenges and opportunities of a junior college season and to share our success, failure, and growth over our coaching career at the junior college level. Join us each week as we cover a different topic in relation to coaching college athletics. Welcome to episode four. I'm really excited about today's episode. We're going to cover a couple listener questions that we got from last week's episode, including how to handle the turnover of the two-year JUCO uh, cycle and also how we identify athletes for our program. Uh, it should be a really fun topic to dive into today. Tyler, how are you doing with everything today? I'm doing well. Um, happy to, to be back for season, or not season, episode four. Let's, uh, let's dive right into that first question you had, because um, that's something I get from a lot of people um, just with regards to the turnover, right? Yeah. Um, so from my perspective, the turnover that you have is – it's got its good and it's bad. It's good in the sense of you can have you can turn your program around real quick. Um, if you have a bad recruiting class and you kind of have a bad year, all all you know is that next year if you have a good recruiting class, you can turn around, you can win the conference. It's bad in the sense of you got to recruit so many guys every single year, and it 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 goes into the players that you have on the team now too. Like if you recruit a class, let's say you have 20 guys coming in, which is a very big class for me as a baseball coach. Um, you can't necessarily rely on all of those 20 guys to be back the next year, whether it's grades or they miss their girlfriends or whatever it is. Um, you don't, you have that to play with as well. So, I mean, it's a little different for, for you basketball-wise, but pretty similar. I always remember my first year as an assistant coach here at Ridgewater. We were up to, including returners, we were up to 25 guys in July. And I asked our head coach, all right, should I like back off on recruiting a little bit? Or it feels like a number that's pretty high. And he said, no, just keep recruiting. Yep. Like, don't stop because the commits disappear. Players decide to not come back. And if you're not starting your season at – 25 guys on the first day of school, you're probably not going to be at 15 on the first day. Yeah. So it's like making sure you have that wiggle room that if a couple guys quit, if a couple guys don't work out, if a couple guys don't show up, you're still going to be okay. Yeah. But Yeah. No. And, and that's from a basketball perspective. And you guys, like you said, you have 15 guys right. as your roster and you're just telling you to keep going yeah. at 25. Yeah. I had a similar experience um, as an assistant we, I think we are going into the fall season with like 54 guys, wow. which is just uh -huh. insane. But we know guys weed themselves out. Yep. Grades is a big thing. You know, you're, you're recruiting kids from all over the country, so they're going to miss home or whatever it is. So we knew that first day of fall practice, we're going to have 50 guys. By the end of fall, or I should say by the start of the season in January, we'll probably be at. I don't know, 35 guys. Right. Exactly. And then that, that's where you kind of want to be for a baseball program. But that's why, like we we're talking about the turnover, it, it's it's tough because you have to recruit so many players. Yeah. I mean, I think my list is usually by like by February, around this time of the year, I'm usually at like 
a hundred guys or 110 guys that you're at least intro to. Like yeah. you're obviously you're not recruiting that many at one time, but your list has expanded out to that. And and the funny thing about like a division three JUCO especially is I think a lot of people don't understand what they're coming into. No, they like don't. a lot of people, a lot of a lot of guys don't know that it's coming into like a real college basketball environment where it's going to be very competitive. It's not going to be like your small town basketball team where you played with the same guys for a long time and you were just the most talented. Like yeah. you're going to have to earn a lot of stuff. It's not high so school. that's, that's a lot of what the weed out thing is that it's not high school, that it's not intramural, that it's not just like a two year school that some people say yeah. it's, 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 it's we real have, college basketball. Yeah, Absolutely. It's real college athletics and we recruit players to play college basketball. Like I know for me, I'm looking at guys that, could potentially play at or could play at like NCAA Division II level mm -hmm. right now. That's kind of where my target is. Yep. And guys will come obviously to the junior college level for different reasons. Um, but it's not it's not one of those things where we're like, okay, whoever wants to play college baseball or college basketball, just right. show up to first meeting. Like right. that's not how this works. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of a learning process. And I think that that outlook from players and coaches has changed a lot since I started. Like we still have kind of that whatever stigma or that people want to go to a four year and stuff. But I think in the last uh, four or five years, people have started to figure out that it is a viable route and that it is is a good opportunity to come in and play right away and get better against different different opponents, stuff like that. Like I think people are starting to realize that we can save money. It's yeah, better than playing JV at a division three or an NAI school. Like it's just, it's better than that. So I think we're starting to see an uptick in like and, what the Juco is. Yeah. I agree with you. And I hope that continues mm -hmm. because you know, you can't emphasize enough the ability to go play, you know, college basketball or college baseball right away. You get playing time. You're able to develop at the same time. And then you're able to, after two years, sometimes after one year, move on to that next step. Yep. That's why I like to recruit, like I said, those Division two area kids because I know that that's what their goal is. Right. So when they come on campus, they're working towards that goal, but within our system. Right. To, you know what I mean? It's just so valuable. Whether I'm recruiting somebody from small-town Minnesota who has played against small-town teams pretty much their whole career, or if I'm recruiting a kid from Orlando who's played – whatever, 5A, 6A in Florida against really good players and stuff like that, like it challenge you, challenges you to get out of your environment and develop against a different kind of player that just makes you a better player. Like that's that's what I really like about bringing guys in is because it's a different challenge level for them and you're going to develop in a different yeah. way than if you just stayed in that area and played against the same players again. And, and, I, like and it's I a new challenge. You, yeah, and I guarantee you the player will come in and he will go, Holy crap. Like this is, these guys are good. hundred percent. I had a kid from the biggest school in Florida come here and he played, he was in there. He started some and was in their rotation and it took him 15 games to adjust to the speed yeah. of ours. So like no matter what high school level you go to, it is still an adjustment because it's college basketball against college coaches against college players. So yeah. it, and, it is a surprise for guys. I think when they come in and I, and I do think you're right, you know, a couple minutes ago that there is, there has been a more emphasis on, like Juco yep. just in general. Mm -hmm. um, I see that a lot with kids, especially kids that I recruit, which is great for me and great for us. Um, but I hope that continues because it's not only just the athletic part of it and you touched on it. 
um, a little bit too. The financial side of it right. is is ridiculous. I mean, you got some NCAA Division three schools that you're paying fifty thousand dollars a year. Our tuition here is fifty three hundred. Yeah, if you're a Pell Grant kid, you come for free. For free, like it doesn't matter that we don't have athletic scholarships. Like your tuition is covered if you're a Pell Grant kid. Like people have to look at that. Like yeah. it is a difference between like a thirty thousand tuition and a five thousand tuition. Free. It's a such a puts you on such a path. Yeah, you know, obviously the the only other thing that we don't have is for us anyway, we don't have the the dorms, right? Um, Which it's still it's cheaper. Just, like the apartment, living yeah. in an apartment is cheaper than living in a you dorm. You can get so. three guys together, you pay two hundred bucks a month in, in yep. rent, and you're living in an apartment, right. not a dorm room. Um, so it is adjustments. It's how you handle it. It's finding the right fits. But like, I think it's starting to be a more viable path for a lot wider range of guys and i think people are realizing yep i think so too the way that i like to get back to turnover a little bit yep. like i look at it like this when when you have a bunch of first year guys you can win like because you're going to bring them in you're going to mold them train practice all those things and you can win and then if you can bring back half of those guys you can win a conference championship when they're sophomores like yep. like you maybe could win a conference championship with the freshmen, but like that's kind of our cycle the way that i look at it yeah and each year when i'm recruiting to that cycle I, I recruit the same way both years of the cycle. You like to. you have to bring in all the positions. You got to bring in all the talented kids, all the kids that are going to buy in. Because if you don't do that, you always get left short. Like you always yeah. wish you had another ball handler or a pitcher or a yeah. rebounder. Like you're always looking for that. So I always am recruiting so all it, the kids, all the positions, all so the areas. It, so for you, it's the same for me it's a little stressful in that mm -hmm. sense. Oh yeah. Right. Like you, you recruit a kid, let's say you brought in for you a really talented two guard yep. and you're like, this guy's going to be a monster for two years, but you know, in the back of your mind, well, I still need more depth. Um, I still need to recruit probably three more yep. to same position. And cause you just, you just never know. Yeah, I lost an all conference point guard two years in a row. They played here a year. We're all conference, both of them. And they both decided one decided to transfer to a G1 Juco and one decided to stay home. So you lose a guy that was a leader on your team that you expected and you just don't always keep them. Like yeah. on the flip side, I kept four starters from the year before as well. So like you do were sophomore heavy and then you do get to see the fruits of investing for a whole year and investing for a year and a half actually. And, yeah. and seeing how much more successful you can be with those kind of leaders and not starting completely over, but it is something that you have to account for. You're going to be starting over in some spots on your roster yeah. every single year. And that's where I think having an established team culture mm -hmm. at our level, division three junior college is probably more important than any other level because at our level, we don't have scholarship money. Kids are, you know, they're having to, now we talked about the, the, the finance, the financial part right. of how it is cheap. If you're full Pell grant right. that, you do get it for free. However, there's Division Two JUCOs and Division One JUCOs, and they give scholarships. So they're and they're, they they have a lot of scholarship money. Right. So they're able to give kids kids full room and board yeah. and, and tuition, and they're set. And then the players are kind of beholden to them as well, like because yeah. they they're relying on you for their scholarship. Where yeah. here, you're not even holding that to them. Like, no, we could cut your scholarship money. We can't. Yeah. You can't do that. So it's a different kind of buy-in that they have to have, and a different kind of culture that you're setting because. Yes. Cause they have to buy into that culture and that's, it's their motivation. It's them being bought in. It's them wanting to be coached, them wanting to 
which love their teammates, stuff like that, which makes our job a little more difficult yep. still because you're there's times where I've spent months recruiting a kid because they're every kid wants a scholarship. They all yep. they want to tell their buddies, hey, I got a scholarship. I got Even if five, it's five hundred dollars, five hundred dollars yep. to go play here. I got a scholarship. So every kid, or I shouldn't say every kid, but a lot of kids are going to wait. Yep. They're going to wait. They're going to wait. And then May comes around to their senior year and they go, okay, I don't have a scholarship yep. offer. So, okay, now, now I'll look here. They're all serious. Looking. Right. Right. And that's, that's really, really tough for us because it's hard to go into May, June before that next year, not knowing if you have five, six, seven kids that you're, and it's hard to maintain the relationship. Like you no, want to keep so that kid hot. Like obviously that's probably one of your better guys if he's waiting on scholarships and things like that, like yeah. and what's going to happen. So you're trying to keep this relationship hot with like your top guy. It's hard from yeah. like, like for us to try to do that from November until June is such a hard thing. Like what yeah. are you going to even talk about when you hit like I don't April? Think, like it's just hard to. I don't think I've ever stopped recruiting before like the middle of August of that next year. No, I, I did. I used to recruit all the way up to like the first day of school. Like yeah. I was still talking in, but I, I started to find that those kids that I was getting like that week before school weren't really that reliable and you didn't really want them yeah, anyway. Like you got to feel your team obviously, but like they weren't the, the culture fit guys when they were waiting quite right. that long. Like I do want guys that that want to be here as well. So it's a yeah. fine line on where we drew the line. But, but it is tough to turn away a stud. No, yeah. I didn't say I turned away you any know, studs. Like, they, those guys weren't studs so that I was recruiting right, at, right. The, at that point usually. Yeah. But but you're if you get one, you're taking him. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it there's no time off right. in that no. sense. You're yep. just going and going and we can't specialize like four year schools. Like for me from the baseball perspective there's four-year schools that can look at their roster and say, okay, mm -hmm. we, we brought in a lot of, you know, right-handed pitchers last year and a lot of left-handed guys We're good in the outfield for a year. So let's, let's look at first base and third base and middle infield. And there's, they'll just specialize in that. And that's who they go after that year. We can't do that. Yeah. And that's, that's like the biggest jump. I think when you start to talk about like climbing the ladder coaching wise and stuff is like right now, and I was talking about it, this with a coach last week is right now we just need good talent. That's going to buy in. Yep. Like that's, that's mainly what I focus on. And as you climb, you can start to specialize and you can't just take a talented guy to take a talented guy anymore. Yep. Like when you, when you can specialize, it's, it's when a totally, you, it's, yeah. it's totally different type of recruiting that we're doing than like a division two school is doing. It's, it's crazy how different it is just because of the yep. volume that we're recruiting. What I wanted to ask you was do you have any questions that you always ask first coaches when you're talking to coaches about players? And is there any questions that you are like topics that you have to cover with players when you're yeah. trying to get to know them? So if I'm talking to a coach, a high school coach about a player, one of the first things I ask him is what kind of kid is he? I want to know, is he a good student? Does he go to class? You know, how is he at home? How is he in, in practice? Is he a leader? You know, does he, what, what kind of kid is he? Um, it gives me a good understanding kind of moving forward through the recruiting process. Um, and then in terms of like players, um, one of the first things that I ask players is, you know, who else is, who else are you looking at? Are you being recruited by anybody else? It just gives me a good baseline and understanding of where they're coming from and what they want to do, what they're looking at. 
Um, and I think that helps um, as you go forward through the recruiting process. Do you have any uh, questions that you ask? The, the biggest question that I think changed for me as I recruited more years and talked to more coaches and did different things and, and through my own experiences, the first question I always ask coaches is if it's a mature kid. Like I have to have the maturity. Like I've brought in really immature kids and they just have no chance. They, they just can't adapt to college or be coached or understand they're competing with their teammates. Can I budge in here for a second? The last thing that you want to do as a college coach is babysit. Right. I can't hold hands. I just, I don't have the resources to be able to like make sure you're in class every second of every day to make sure you go to the weight room, like get extra shot. Like, even just show up to practice on time, like it gets so old. So the first thing that I always ask is about maturity. And I try to build out a conversation on that with coaches because I just can't, you just, I can't be successful with immature guys and the immature guys can't be successful when they come here. So it's both sides. Like I'm not doing you a favor by bringing you in from Oklahoma. If you're immature, like I'm, you're just gonna gonna have a hard time. You're going to hate it. And then you're going to go home at semester anyway. So I've really learned Maturity is a huge thing that I've, that I pound. And then I bring that along into the player conversation as well and reemphasize what I've really found is that I like recruiting black and white now. Like I tell them what we are. I tell them, I talk about what they're looking for and if we match that and I lay that out there and if they like that, we continue on and like, if they like that. But what I've really stopped doing is I don't sell as much. Like there's yeah. some selling obviously in recruiting and you're trying to yeah. put your best foot forward. But I, if I have to sell you and I have to like make it exaggerate or make it seem better than it is or different than it is, it's, it's not going to work out as good. Like yeah. if I lay out who I am, who our program is, who our staff is, who our players are, and you like that and you think you're in a good fit, you're going to be successful if you come here. So I've really gotten more black and white on – on guys. I'm not as, I'm not yeah. trying to please them as much when I'm recruiting them. I'm trying to say who we are and how it fits what they're trying to see. Do, so, and, and for me that like, I, I I'll sell our program, mm-hmm. but to that extent, right? Like there's, there's facilities that I'll talk about. Mm-hmm. There's our development process, how we develop our players, our assistant coaches, because mm-hmm. I think our assistants have a lot of value, yep. especially in the development part. And then Every once in a while, if a kid wants to know from a player perspective, I'll say, hey, here's a kid on the team this year. Reach out to him and ask him what yeah. he thinks. Yep. Um, so that's kind of the extent of selling. I'm never, I'm never going to just exaggerate to exaggerate because right. then the kid's going to get here and right. go, okay, well. Start on a lie. Yeah. Right. And you don't want to do that. But there there are things that you can sell yep. about your program without having to right. do Right. I mean, there are there's always positives in your program, so you're laying those out. Yeah. I just don't want to, like – talk this is a better way to put it i don't want to talk them into coming if that makes sense like i don't want to talk you over the edge to come for example i had a and this goes back to maturity as well i had a kid that i recruited that was super super talented like a 6-3 guard super athletic shot it really well he was really good it was a pulling teeth recruiting him like all the way through the summer we were recruiting him all this stuff and then he finally committed and he had his apartment lined up all this stuff a week before he came, his mom called me and said that she didn't think that he would be successful and that he wasn't mature enough, just wasn't ready to leave home. And I, I talked her into being comfortable with it because I thought that once you get here, you'll be okay. Yeah. Lasted a month. Like, yeah. like you can't talk guys into what they want 
like into doing something because they're not all the way into doing it when they come. It's almost like, at least for me, I kind of use a little bit of reverse psychology sometimes. And I'm sure maybe you do too, in the sense of you ask them, what could you do for, for our program? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like what skills do you have that could work for us? Uh You know, then you really get to know a kid and and he can tell you, Oh, I'm, you know, I, I lack speed or, you know, I got a lot of power, whatever it is that, that, that kind of goes into the selling part of it too. Yeah. Um, where they're being vulnerable with you sharing some different yeah. answers. Cause sometimes you get on that and it's like no personality conversations where you're both just yeah. like transacting almost like if you can get them talking and get them moving, yeah, that's like what if, always, if, if, that makes me want to recruit you more. If you guys can have real conversations yeah. and you can like, if you're interested and you care and all those things. So. Yeah. Cause if I have a kid, let's say I have a, a right-handed pitcher and I say, okay, what, what, what do you do well? Or what are some things that you can improve on uh-huh. here? And he says, well, my fastball velocity is 82, 83. I could really, you know, do some work there. Uh-huh. That's when I come in and say, well, we have, you know, a driveline program that sees fastball velocity increase up to five miles an hour, you know, yeah. so you're getting them to sell themselves and then you're giving it back to them. Um, and where I've, another where place that I've changed as I've developed as a junior college coach is that people coming into a JUCO have that stigma of I am transferring on like this is like a stop and I'm going on and things like that. I've really de-emphasized recruiting after being here. And I don't know if that's good or bad. What do you mean? Explain that. Like I don't recruit you telling you you're going to go to a division two program or like, or like even like, I don't even really talk about that portion of it that much mostly because I've changed and I believe that if we become a really good program that plays the right way, that wins basketball games, that teaches yep. their kids to play, then the four years are going to recruit from your yep. program. Like if you have 15 guys here that their goal is to go on and that's like why they're here is to go on. For me, that's really hard for them to buy into what we're doing because it's just like a stopover. I, I tell guys that I want to operate like an NCAA division two program where you're here, this is your home. This is what you bought into. These are your teammates for two years and you're going to develop and then we're going to win. And then you're going to be able to go on. So I I just found that I got, that's that's interesting that you say that when I recruit too much to what's after Ridgewater. Yeah. Uh, those guys are thinking about what's going on after Ridgewater. And I think that's an easy sell. Like when you're a young Juco coach, it's easy to think about like, that's the main reason guys are coming to Juco and that, and that especially like high level kids from maybe out of region. That's what they want to hear, but I've changed and I don't care if that's what they want to hear. Yeah. Like I'm, this is see, what we're going to be about. See, from my perspective on that, what I do is like, I'll sit down with a player uh-huh. and I'll ask them, okay, what's your, what's your goal? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to go play division one baseball. And that's when you start to get real with the kid and say, okay, well, you don't do this at the division one level. You don't do this. However, you have two years here and we can help you get there. Mm-hmm. So, I try to mold it in the sense of he, he's improving to get better for our program, obviously, yep. and then for the future too. Yep. And that's when obviously the culture is right. important. And developing and yeah. I just what I find in basketball in our league is that if you're a top, and this is what I tell my or tell the guys when I'm recruiting them, if you come in and you're like a top five, six, seven guy in the league, you could be a division two or up guy. Yeah. If you're a top twenty-five guy. You could be an NAI scholarship level player or maybe division two. Like you could be a scholarship level player in the top 25 and then the top 50, you maybe can play at a D three or walk on at NAI or have, yeah. some, have be a four year college basketball player. 
if you can't get into those ranges, it's going to be hard for you to, so it comes down to development and it comes down to realizing your goals and then putting it into action because. And those, you, you want players in that top five, right? Right. So you, your daily practice, your development is around getting players to that level Mm -hmm. without them. Like they don't know that that's, that, that that's what your goal right. is for yep. them, yep. right? So you are helping them in that sense for their future, mm-hmm. but they're you're doing it within your program. Right. And guess what? Uh, nobody's coming to Ridgewater to find their stud scorer. Like that's just not more than like they're not coming to find their stud ace pitcher. Like they're and coming here to a lot of times they're coming to fill their cracks, fill their recruiting classes, like find some spots that they need. So you need to be a good program guy as well. You need to be able to buy into a system. Like they might be coming to you to be their best player if you're a real stud, but it's not always like that when four-year coaches are coming to look for guys. <laughs> no, you're right. There are, there are, you know, examples of players. Yep. hundred percent. Um, but yeah. But I, when I, when I, when I, when I'm coming from, when I say that is I've had a guy come here that said that he was going to go to Duke and it's like, you're See, not you're, like that's and and I told him I'm like you're not yeah like it's, it's just it's just not how recruiting works it's not how the levels work it's not you have to have some self uh, aware yeah, awareness there absolutely. it is yeah you have to have be aware of what's going on around you and where you're coming and things like that but and, yeah. but I try to be as honest as I can because I don't want to yeah. recruit a kid and tell him like oh yeah you could get to be a D1 guy yeah. here you're gonna go to Duke like it's just not right you it's have just to not be plausible. it's so important to be as honest yep. with your kids you're recruiting and players on your team because exactly you know exactly for that situation i've had kids come in and say i want to go play at the university of florida yep. well like you said you're you're just not you're not going there right so let's find a place for you yep. that fits academically yep. and athletically yep. and most of the time it, it works out yeah it does know. and they've kind of figured out as they get older and as they compete against more athletes and but we're going to come in and you're going to develop as much as we can develop you. And if you buy into the, the systems and things like that, you are going to be successful. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. We're going to be honest with you so that when you come in, you're, you give us an honest effort and everybody develops yeah. the way that they should. Like that, that's why I try to be super clear in recruiting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now, one thing I wanted to kind of talk about is kind of your overall process. Mm-hmm of recruiting like how do you how do you i know how i do it obviously and every coach does it differently yep how do you do it yeah i i identify a few different ways like there's different places online where there's film up and field level and ncsa and emails that i get from coaches and stuff where i can identify and like just see a highlight tape watch a game whatever then i reach out to coaches and make sure things are straight on that end because i really don't want to get down the road with a kid and then find out talk to their coach a month later and find out he's not a good fit and then have to tell him like, Oh, we're moving on to somebody else. Like I try to do it in a process where I identify, talk to a coach. Usually I start, I, I introduce myself over text usually first. And then I set up a phone call and then we have a real conversation on the phone call. I try not to have that first conversation be a long text conversation. I try to be like, Hey, his, how's it doing here? I, who's I, here's who I am, what we are. Yeah. Can I call you tomorrow? Yeah. And then I set that up and then we usually go from there. But um, maintaining that relationship is a whole nother thing, but yep. that intro is, I think it's important to have a coach on board. So when they go and ask their coach, yep. Hey, this guy talked to me, like, can you help me understand this and that? Like, hopefully that coach understands yep. what I told him so that he can bounce that off as well. Yeah. Um, coaches talk to coaches differently yep. than coaches talk to recruits. Yep. 
Right. And recruits talk to their high school coaches differently mm-hmm. than they talk to me. So they yep. might understand it a different way. They're face to face, their day to day, all that stuff. Yeah. Now, do you recruit kids without talking to their coach? I have. And sometimes I, I know, it, I know for me, I do a yeah. lot. I, I would say it's it's maybe gets to half and half. I try to talk to the coach before I get too yeah. far along, but there are times and there it's very easy to recruit a kid without talking to their coach. Like that, that yeah. is the easy route. And sometimes when those numbers are getting high and you're trying to get kids in, you do skip those steps. And then, but then it's at your own risk too. Yeah. Like if you get a dud because of that, like yeah. you can't really, it's not all the kids fault. You also are. As long as you can look at yourself and say, like, okay, I messed up as well. like. But that's that's where the evaluation part is huge, right? right. Like, you go and you'll watch film or you, you'll go in yep. person or yep. you'll have video and film. Yep. You know, at that point, you can kind of evaluate talent-wise right. what they're like. Yep. You don't understand them from, like, a personal level, what they're like as yep. a kid. But sometimes, like you said, you, you, you need to skip those, especially, like, for me – when I have, when I'm trying to bring in, right. I have a roster of 45. Right. Um, it's definitely different. Baseball and basketball are definitely different because that some of those intangibles are glaring in on the basketball court where maybe you can get away with some crazy right fielder that's so, so good and maybe has some issues yeah. where they're, where you, Nobody's relying on him as much as like up and down basketball. Like it's, that, it's, that chemistry is a different, it is, it's, a, it's, it's apples to oranges almost that chemistry. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But it's still important to team building that that stuff's that, so important that's why to team building. Your culture is huge. Mm-hmm. If, if you believe in what you're selling, you have maybe a better idea of if you're bringing in a kid that you don't know what he's like, Yep. but you know your culture is yep. solid that you can get him to mold into yep. that but you have to have a good culture. Yeah. It's understanding where, where your culture stands and if it will, like, since we're, we're, we're mostly dealing with freshmen and sophomores, like is the leadership that strong? Like does the culture change because of the players to change that guy? Or are they still trying to figure each other out? Like I, I just in basketball, it's a small team. It's everybody playing together every day, like passing the ball to each other, like buying into a certain system and they all rely on each other that we have gotten it's it's really harmful when you have kids that don't buy into it like it's it you, is. Lo- you lose a lot of your team when you don't have when you have a couple talented guys that don't buy in but they still play you have to coach them different like yeah. it's just it's really hard for us and that's why I am and, and especially as you get to trust other coaches and they'll send you guys that's when recruiting yeah. starts to get a little bit easier when you when you know 10 coaches and they know what you like. And then they send you a few guys every year like that. Then, then recruiting starts to get a little easier when you yep. have those relationships. Yeah. And, and back to the culture part. And we can talk about this at length in yeah, a right. different episode, but that's where captains come into play yep. and, and having good, you know, assistant coaches, things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a, that's a sweet discussion. I'm glad we, I'm glad this is our topic this week. That's a great question that we got from a listener that, yeah. cause I think it's something that, Coaches don't always understand. Players don't understand. Parents don't understand. And even like young Juco head coaches don't always understand. Like it's always a changing thing. It's so important. It's so important that who you're recruiting matches what you do and why you do it and who you are. Like it's just such a cycle that matters like who's in your program. And and I'll say this uh, one more thing is we're you and I, will never turn away a kid if he if he emails you uh-huh. and says coach I'm interested. Yep. 
here's some video. Let me know what you think. We'll never turn that kid away. We're going to take a look at it and then we're going to be real with you. Yep. You know, so for like recruits, for high school players, parents, whatever it is, if your kid or, you know, you want to go play at Ridgewater or wherever, but you haven't been talked to yet. Well, you got to remember there's one guy doing the job. Right. right. Um, don't be afraid to send an email and send some video and we'll let you know. Right. And even if like, I'm not the best answer all the time. Like we get quite a few emails, but you put yourself out there. Like there's no downside in trying to get a hold of us or showing no. up or sending an email. Like it shows there really is no, it does it, matter. You know, it shows that you want to play at the next level, which that's a good yep. quality. That's yep. a good trait to have. Um, and you're, you know, taking interest in yep. our program too. So, um, yeah, definitely don't be afraid yeah, to, to reach it, out. and Putting yourself out there matters, and you're going to have to put yourself out there as you get older, as you do all those yeah. things, so it's a good start. And it's a good, here, the no only downside. thing that's going to come from it is there's two things. One, we're going to tell you we love what we saw. We'd like to talk a little more. Or two, it's probably not a good fit for you. However, there's there's a fit for everybody. Right. You just got to find that yep. fit, obviously. Yep. So uh, That's a sweet discussion. I appreciate you showing us your – laying out recruiting and how you guys do it. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on before we wrap it up? No, uh, I think we covered pretty much everything. And um, no, this is a fun discussion. Um, I hope we answered that question pretty well. I think we did, but I look forward to, to next week. I think we're going to talk next week a little more X's and O's, um, culture stuff, um, team stuff. So I look forward to that next week. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.